You know, it's kind of funny how many people tried out the NHL draft lottery simulator and then celebrated their results on social media. Remember that? Well, really, there was truly only one outcome. Nobody wins. No! What? No! No! Now, podcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world. Around the world. It's the Sins Nation Podcast. From praising Alfie to Brady Kachuk and everything in between. If it matters to Sins fans, we're talking about it right here. And now, here's Steve Warren. Thank you, Brock Mantooth. You've done it again. Well done. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up today on the Sens Nation podcast, our best guess on what the top five picks will be in the NHL draft. Most importantly, who we think the Sens will end up with. The Sens do have the top three picks in this year's draft, or they have three first-round picks in this year's draft, I should say. Today, it's a historical performance review of teams that have had three first-rounders in one draft in the past. Got a couple of former Sens GMs looking for work. Maybe. Maybe is there a fit there with their old teams? And Toronto and Edmonton looks like they're going to be hub cities. Birthdays, much more coming up on the show. Let us say hello to the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Very good, Stephen. How are you? I am fantastic. Awfully hot. I'm hoping as, we speak here, hoping as we speak here that we get a nice thunderstorm to, to cool things off a little bit. But uh, all is well in my world. <laughs> all right, good. You got your roof painted? I did. Yep. It's, yeah. uh, it's led to about five or six more degrees in the attic here where I record. And uh, on a day like this, yes, that's why I'm really hoping for... That's why weather is so top of mind for me, I guess, right now in the chit-chat portion of the show. <laughs> See, I have to record. I got to turn the air conditioning on. Well, we both do, right? So it's like, let's get this over with so I can get the air conditioner back on again, right? <laughs> yeah. And of course, you have your, uh, your 1968 refrigerator that's still humming doing away. its part, humming along like an old... Uh, International Harvester tractor in the background there. Nobody can hear it. I know. I can, but that's okay. (laughs) Okay, so we got a busy show on the way, like I said, and uh, let's begin today. I think still when people talk to me about what's going on with the Sens, what's going on with the podcast, the first question is, you know, what do you think is going to happen with the Sens? You know, they obviously, as we talked about in the last podcast, the Sens will be picking third and they'll be picking fifth. And they also have a third first-rounder in there as well via the New York Islanders. We don't know what, uh, where that's going to fall should the Islanders lose in the first round. The Sens will then uh, well, they'll have a better idea then. But what do you think? Of the top five picks, how do you think it plays out? Well, I think, uh, I think first is pretty much decided. No? All right. We know who's, go- <laughs> we know who's going first. Um, I believe that um, the L.A. Kings... We wrote about this, if anybody wants to check it out. It's on the Sens Nation podcast website. SensNationPodcast.com. Um, I, I, the Kings, really, they're very, very deep, as we all know. In, they, they are deeper than the Senators, actually, when it comes to prospect. And I don't know that they necessarily need a centerman. Uh, although both Byfeld and Stutzler are better than any centerman they have. But they may be more interested in a defenseman, so they might be tempted to move down. So when that defenseman's going to be available, when they, you know, when would be their first shot at taking a, a defenseman? If you assume that they keep the pick, I'm sure they're going to take Byfeld or Stutzla. And really, the Senators, their decision is going to be made for them. They're just going to take whichever centerman is there for them, aren't they? 
I would think so. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to the Marco Sturm card. Marco Sturm is the LA Kings assistant coach, and he's already spoken about his fellow countrymen uh, and how much he likes him. I don't know how much sway an assistant coach has and what the GM has up his sleeve in LA, but maybe there's something there. I don't know. But when you look at those, you look at those two guys, though, Stutzla and and Byfield. If you have your choice, where where, where are you going? Like, what you, which of those guys do you like better? Well, I, I, the the problem is, yes, they're both centermen, but beyond that, that's the end of the similarities, right? One is a he's already six five, big, huge behemoth of a man. Uh, the other one is the small, skilled skater. I I prefer Stutzla for the speed that he brings and the things that he could do at a high speed. Um, and and the quote in in Bob McKenzie's annual write up. He had a quote from a scout saying that if there's if there's any player who who may someday be proved and turn out to be better than Lafreniere, it's Stutzla. So that's enough to sell me, I think. They're, like you say, very different players, but oh my God, it's hard not to be really, really excited about both guys. It's almost nice that you're letting someone else take the decision-making out of your hands because you can't go wrong with either guy. Exactly, and I just think that's, it, that's, that's the beauty of being in the spot they're in. Not only at three, but also at five, because I mean, while we're on it, when they get to five, I think they're looking at probably one of the two defensemen. Now, the problem there is Detroit really, really apparently, really, really likes Cole Perfetti. So maybe the decision isn't going to be made for the Senators, and they've got a choice to make there between uh, Sanderson and uh, Drysdale. I don't know. I've been a Drysdale fan all year, thinking he's probably the guy there. But if somebody... If, if there's a flip-flop in there, if somebody makes a move, if L.A. chooses to drop, do they, do they make a drop down to four with Detroit? If Detroit goes up to two, are they, are they going to take Perfetti there? Like, who knows? I, I, it's still too early, I think, to even know who's going to end up picking where when it comes to the top five, other than number one, right? That's always the debate, right? Do you draft based on your current organizational needs? Or do you draft based on, okay, I want to just take the best guy that's there and let the chips fall where they may. You're right. LA's got, they're deep at center. Um, so decisions yeah. might be made in that regard. But boy, it's, it's awfully tough to overlook talents like that. Because there's nothing to say that <laughs> yeah. all these guys in the organization are all going to work out. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, well, it's funny. I'm of two minds on it. I'll say this, though. I like Byfield a ton. Uh, and I have, I honestly, from a development model, I yeah. just, I'm, I don't trust guys coming out of German pro hockey. Um, yeah, I hear you. I, I like, I just, I have more faith in the Ontario Hockey League kid playing up in Sudbury hockey country and, and just the way he skates. Um, it's not as effortless and slick as Stutzla, but when he gets going, he is just fun to watch. Like he is, it got, it's kind of that, uh, I don't know, who do I compare him to exactly? But that big man, like he's everything you want Logan Brown to be. Uh, yeah. The big man who can actually skate is still lumbering, and I think he's, he can still improve his stride even further, but it's such a powerful stride. There's so much to like about that player. He's the guy that I think I would choose uh, if I'm the LA Kings and all things are equal. Yeah, probably. Yeah, if they're at, if they're at two, I think Byfield is sort of the can't-pass-him-by guy. Let's, let's put it that way. And And let's settle this whole best player available or positional need thing 
I think lots of teams end up making positional needs when you see them making trades to drop down in the draft or even to move up in the draft. I think a lot of those are centered around a positional need versus the best player available. Uh, in the case of, of LA, um, positional need, okay, it's a defenseman, but <laughs> best player available says you have to take Byfield. We're going to find out exactly what type of uh, organizational philosophy they have, let's say, when we see what happens with that number two pick. What are the Sens doing then? Are they, I think we can agree they're going after a forward on their first one, but are they going for a D on the second pick? I think it's going to depend on what Detroit does at four. Um, and by all accounts, it looks, well, again, who knows, but Detroit apparently really likes Cole Perfetti. So now it's a, they've got a decision to make between one of those two defensemen, or is it a Marco Rossi, or who am I missing? There's a there's a couple Swedes in there as well, right? Yeah, uh, it's just it, it's like okay, now what? It would be so much easier if Detroit just took one of the defensemen. In the sense, could say, okay, oh look, we lucked into it again. Somebody else made the decision for us. We take the other defenseman. No, no chance that they take two forwards. I don't. Well, I I mean, we don't know their list. If you've got a, if you've got Rossi or Raymond, or uh, there's another Swede, Alexander Holtz. There it is. If you've got one of those three rated ahead, that you have them in the five slot, then you take them. I, I think in the case of the Senators, it will definitely be a best player available pick. Now, having said that, who they think the best player is, we don't know. Like, it may very well turn out to be a defenseman, and some people might want to say, ooh, organizational need, but they may very well have him rated at number five, right? Fair. Hey, I, I, if I'm Pierre Dorian, I'm going two forwards, no matter what. Yeah. I just feel like uh, this it, is an organization I, that has so many guys that haven't arrived in the NHL yet. You know, Bernard Docker, Lassie Thompson, Brandstrom, and they got a, a bunch of young guys already in the NHL. Forwards. This just in, you need twice as many of those as you need defensemen. <laughs> and interestingly enough, the majority of those guys you've just named, particularly Bernard Docker, Thompson, are both right shot Ds, as is Yaros, who we're not convinced whether he's going to be around much longer, but Zaitsev and the newly signed Zub, all right shot D. So you're really going to get an opportunity here to see if the Sens are picking on an organizational need or will pick on a best player available. Like if they, at five, take Sanderson, who some may say, yeah, he's the number five prospect, but a lot of people don't. If they pick him at five, he's a left shot D. And on your left side, it's Shabbat, Branstrom, and I'm missing somebody. Will Lannan. Will Lannan, of course, yeah. But I agree with your overall point that, yeah, let's, let's have some, we need more forwards than defensemen probably. They're already known as a hardworking team. That's the thing that DJ Smith trumpets when he talks about the year that was. Yeah, we, you know, we're down near the bottom of the standings. But there weren't many games where we were badly outworked. We're in most games. And uh, now it's time to, okay, you've got a culture there. I think that's the thing that DJ Smith most changed around, okay? We're a hardworking team, you know? I think uh, Pierre sure. Dorian, based on what happened, you know, with the past, Uber cabs and Carlson Hoffman, he's gone about it from a perspective of, okay, I want character guys on this team as well. So... I think the culture's changed a lot, but at the end of the day, you need skill. You need guys who can finish, and they're very much lacking in that right now. Well said. They really are. Like, let's face it, they're, they're a lunch pail gang. I, I, 
I don't know who the highest skilled player is. I, I mean, I'm going to assume it's between Shabbat and Kachuk, but either, neither of them is known as a skilled player, right? Shabbat's known as a strong skating first passer. He'll get the puck out of your zone, right? Kachuk is known as a net crasher, hard driving winger. They don't have a guy who's known as being a quote unquote skill guy. So this is an opportunity here, and I, I, they will not fail. They're filled with maybes. They cannot fail. Yeah, <laughs> they're filled with, ma- with the maybes. maybes uh, you know the you know guys like you know Norris and and Batherson and uh, Rudolph Spalsers, who I like a lot skill wise. Like they got a lot of guys that you might be excited about, but until they prove it in the NHL, you just don't know. I feel like there's so many guys in this draft at the forward position that have. Nobody has a can't-miss prospect labeled to them, but there's a number of guys here well beyond the top five that have that feel about them. Yeah, they're, they're not going to get this wrong, folks. Like, I, I, I was on with a, a Twitterer today who sent something to the two of us about, you know, how much confidence do we have in the Sens GM with this, these picks. I'm fully confident. He's not going to get this wrong. He's going to walk away with two really good players who are going to be around for a long time. Whether it's two forwards or a forward and a defenseman, I don't think it matters. They're walking out of this with, with uh, two impactful players, as he said, who are going to be here for a long time. Well, as we talk about when we put together Team Canada for the Olympics and we talk about the coach, it's like, in reality, I think a lot of great Canadian hockey fans could stand behind that bench and lead that team to a gold medal. With all due respect to the coaching position, that's a Cadillac you've been handed, keys to them, and off you go. It's the same here. Um, Pierre Dorian's going to, I think, do a good job over these next three years with this multitude of picks he's got. But I will say, if you've got two of the top five in this particular draft, it's really, really hard to screw it up. And he won't. I agree. Now, having three picks in the first round has been screwed up before. I guess first we should say, it, it's not necessarily three picks in the first round, right? Distinct possibility, they do not end up with three picks in the first round. Yeah, the Islanders pick is uh, still a wild card. If they win the second phase of the lottery, well, they're getting Alexi Lafreniere. After that, we just don't know exactly what their draft position will be, but there is certainly a better than average chance the Sens will have that Islanders pick. So many fans have an eye on Russian goaltender Yaroslav Askarov. And uh, it's possible, you know, when you look at most of the draft lists, he's anywhere between kind of that 9 and 14 area. Like, is there an opportunity here for the Sens? And so many people have proposed this idea to maybe, because they got lots of second and third rounders along with first rounders, you know, package up a second rounder to move up, you know, enough to get this Russian goaltending prospect. And he is... A beauty. He's not just an 18-year-old playing great hockey. He's, he's an 18-year-old playing in the freaking KHL and doing very well there. Yeah, that's the only caveat here. If this guy is ready to step in and play next season, and if you believe that is possible, and that he, you can get him and all that sort of stuff and he can play, then okay, I can understand it. Otherwise, I disagree with it. I believe that if the Senators need any help in the goaltending position, it is now. It's not three or four years from now. You've got all these guys waiting down below already. You've got Decord and Gustafson and Hogberg and Mandelize and even Sogard for crying out loud. So, and they're all three, two, three, maybe four years from now in some cases. 
drafting a goalie right now who's not going to be ready for three or four years is just one more guy to add into that pile, and I don't think that's the right move. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, certainly a guy, though, that I'm sure a lot of teams have an eye on. It's funny, when it comes to the draft, goalies are always kind of thought of as, okay, well, I don't know about that guy. I don't want to use a first-rounder on a goalie or whatever. But uh, this looks like a, a pretty special goaltending prospect, and we always say, you know, great coaches are made because of great goalies. <clears throat> teams win Stanley Cups because of great goalies. The unfortunate part is, it's hard to tell at 18 whether this guy's truly uh, a dominant force moving forward or not versus the forward position where you're more often than not going to have success going after a forward than the other two positions. Agreed. Yeah. And, and like, okay. So I think we got, we're in agreement on this one. Yep. If the kid's ready to play, then yeah. There, I mean, there are people out there who seem to think that the Sens don't really need goaltending help right away. They do. They, they, they'd be just fine if they could go out and find a goaltender, uh, a Robin Leonard, although I, people rumbling about that i don't think i think vegas signs leonard and if they're going to get rid of somebody it'll be flurry um, but a goaltender to come in here for next season who can play 55 60 games i think that is more of a need right now than a than a goalie of the future right so these th- these two in the top five there's no shot of a scenario where you say something out there where I might, uh, you know, move one of those picks. Like, let's say there's a, a goalie who's got a reasonable contract. He's got four years left on his, whatever. Is there any scenario at all? I just throw that out as an example. Is there any scenario at all where those two amazing picks, both in the top five, that the Sens wouldn't use them both? Can't see it, Stephen. They're, they're using both of them. You've done a lot of hard work to get these picks. This is a very talented 10, 12 guys in this first round. I can't see it. They are drafting two players with those two picks. Islander pick, I don't know. Completely agree. It all kind of jives with this wave of youth that's coming through. Uh, It's staggered a little bit. You got quote-unquote older guys like Thomas Shabbat, and then you're going to (laughs) have this young wave here now. Um, this will be the core. Um, what these two guys they're getting in the first round, and then at the older end, guys like Thomas Shabbat, that will be your spectrum of talent uh, moving through this unparalleled success that we've been promised. And so you don't screw around with that. You build through the draft. And really, when you're a frugal club, as the Sens have declared themselves to be, if not through their words, but their actions, um, you've got to build through the draft it's your only hope of, of, of competing at all because we all know that good young talent, the really young talent, is not only excellent, but it's cheap labor. Yes, and any deviation of the, the, off the plan, I think, would not be met well by the fan base. Uh, I, you trade these guys, these picks, and try to bring in some top six forward superstar stud will not go over well here. And it's also not the way that Pierre Dorian has been speaking or has been operating for the last year and a half. It's just, it's not in his DNA. He's not going to do it. He's drafting two players. They'll be studs for a long time. And patience is a virtue when you're a general manager in the NHL. We saw Mika Zibanejad leave town in a trade with the New York Rangers. And at the time, I don't think there was a, a massive outcry about it. If we knew what the future was going to hold, there would have been. But at the time, Zabanajab was, he was skewing to be a good 
center iceman in the NHL, but not what he's become. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was, I think, your points per game leader in all the NHL, if you can believe that. This past season, yeah, I can believe that. Yeah. But then again, that was a that was a different scenario and a different time and a different plan in the Senator organization, right? That was a playoff guy in in Brassard coming in. It was how much money do we want to pay to Zibanejad? It may have been a misevaluation as far as his future potential was concerned, but I, I I don't think there's anybody over there in Senator Land upset with that trade. I, I think that they can look back on it and they did their due diligence. They'd had Zibanejad for a fair number of years and had determined that this is what he is and he's not going to get any better than this or, you know, here's what we see as his ceiling, so let's move him now while he can get us something. And I, I think they did okay. I, I, I'm not going to fault anybody on that trade. Yeah, and the, based on the way it worked out, you know, the guy was 23 when he left town and, you know, he, he was pretty good that first year, but, you know, obviously the this past season he was an absolute stud and well now he's going to get paid again he's now very close to that next contract which the Sens have shown through their actions they have no interest in paying but I bring Zabanajad's name up mostly because in a transitional segue sort of way he was part of a 2011 draft year where the Sens also had three picks in the first round and you had a great article I thought on our website sensnationpodcast.com that was a neat historical performance uh, review of all the teams that have had uh, at least three first rounders in one draft. What would your analysis be, first of all, of what the Ottawa Senators did in 2011? Uh, That year, Mika Zibanejad went sixth overall, and they also had a couple of guys go later uh, in Stefan Nason and Matt Pumple. They're three first rounders from 2011. Um, not a lot to be excited about, right, with Nason and Pumple. Yeah, I just swing and a miss. Let's let's be honest, right? Uh, I think in the case of Zabanajad, it was it was a fairly easy pick. He was ranked right around the spot where they took him. Um, Nason, no Pumple, no, and they traded to get the Pumple pick, right? They gave up Pumple pick. The one guy you'd like to have a do over on for sure uh, with Nason. It was funny because. Uh, he played for the Plymouth Whalers in 2011, and everybody thought that, uh, you know, Nason, in, in the Sens organization, Nason was the straw that stirred that drink. Uh, Ricard Raquel went later in the first round that same year. He had yep. 43 points in 49 games, and it, well, based on what we're seeing as far as history goes, it looks like Raquel was the guy to be targeting in that first round in that year. Or Mark Shifley. Right. Yeah, no, I'm just talking to, about teammates. If you're going to see Nason. You missed the guy. You went there to watch one guy, but you missed the other guy. You know, Shifley was there, too. And then the second round, it's, it's Kucherov and Carlson, William Carlson. Uh, other guys were available, but you could play that game on every draft every year. Totally. Let's, uh, it's just best said is, sorry, it was a swing and a miss. Savannah yeah. Jad, okay. I mean, all year long, it was, are we going to get into the top five or not? I mean, I think the talk at the time was coming down to, basically the Couturier or Zabanajad, right? And then the Flyers took Couturier, so they kind of sort of, okay, fine, we'll take Zabanajad. They kind of got backed into that, I would think. Um, but was there was other people there and available. It's just, it's a shame. I, I counted, um, in the article I wrote, I, I, I kind of point totaled everybody and gave them a mark, let's say, from zero to five. Zero for a duster and five for a, for a superstar. 
And uh, yeah. so three players, the maximum you're going to get is 15 points. I think I ended up saying the Senator picks those three guys combined for a total of eight points. Uh, let's get your top five, uh, the, the ones that uh, accumulated the most points. I'd say the Sens, when you look at you know, years from now, when we look back at this thing, um, I, was, I was looking through your list, and boy, there are not many teams that have been better set up than the Sens are this year uh, with such early draft picks in three and five. Yeah, good point. I mean, the, the, the best comparable as far as draft position goes is uh, the Islanders in 99 had picks 5, 8, 10. And for a bonus, they had 28. Okay. So if you take 5, 8, 10, add them up, divide by 3, that gives you an average of, uh, I don't know, you can do the math. I was told so, there'd be no math. <laughs> that gives you an average <laughs> of uh, 7.6 or something. Okay. So that's pretty darn good. The, the average of the, if the Sens are 3, 5, 13, that's going to be an average of 7. So that's not bad, right? I mean, that's pretty impressive if, if it's 3, 5, 13. Okay, so who's most impressed you? The most impressive one I had was the 98 Colorado Avalanche, who had four first-round picks, the highest of which was only 12. So they went 12, 17, 19, and 20. They took Alex Tongay, Martin Skula, Robin Regeer, and Scott Parker. All four career NHLers. Not like Parker may be the only one that could be a weakness, I guess, as a bottom six forward. But Robin Regeer and Martin Skula both played over 800 games, solid defenseman, played in the NHL for a long time. And, of course, Tongay was a, you know, a top three forward in the NHL with 800-some-odd points. I, I counted that as the, as the best of any team that ever had three picks in the first round. I think you're looking at a guy like Skula, not exactly a household name, and he didn't stay in Colorado for his entire career. He bounced around a little bit. But, uh, you know, you play that many games, and it wasn't like a you know, top five pick or anything like that. You're able to find those guys. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's solid scouting. Well, the thing there is go back and look at it. Go back and look at the 98 draft and go ahead and find somebody who didn't get, who was picked later, and you can't. You really can't. For every one of these assessments I did, I could easily find players that, oh, they missed this guy, they missed that guy. For that grouping, I couldn't. There really wasn't anybody who were, oh, they should have taken that guy. They got the right guy in each one of those spots, which makes it even more impressive. Uh, my second one was the 04 Caps. They had three first-rounders. He had one 27 and 29, from which they got Ovechkin, uh, Jeff Schultz, and Mike Green. Mike Green at 29. That's wow. not a bad pick, right? Ovechkin being, oh, darn. Yeah, I guess we'll have to take this guy. Uh, that, that's a pretty good haul in a first round. I mean, Schultz maybe wasn't the greatest of players in the world, but, but, but uh, contributing... Uh, defenseman there for for a few years and then moved around a bit yeah and when the Sens were right. going good I always remember them having those that 29th pick kind of thing and the, you know, that would net them guys like Jimmy O'Brien or Patrick Eves and it's like okay well yeah I, I'll go ahead and take a guy <laughs> like Green yeah yeah right uh the old three St. Louis Blues had picks 13 18 26 Lars Eller Ian Cole David Perron not bad. Like Very again, good. go th go through your NHL history of the twenty sixth overall pick and see how many are on a level of David Perron. That, that's a that's a pretty good first round. I mean, they, okay, they missed Max Pacioretty or maybe a Jamie Ben or a PK Subban, but Eller, Cole, and Perron, nothing wrong with that. Okay. Uh, my fourth was the O two Caps. So Caps twice have had three picks in the first round. 
In 02, the Caps had 12, 13, 17. Steve Eminger, you remember Alexander Semen, and mm-hmm. Boyd Gordon. Getting Semen at 13, 13, that guy put up some serious numbers. Remember how much money he was making and Carolina signed him to a ridiculous contract. He had a he had a holdout situation where he went back to Russia while he was still with the Caps. Um, but, but a real serious offensive skilled hockey player. Well, he, yeah, because of the contract and because of, you know, just his game just fell off a cliff near the end. Um, yeah, we, we think about that Good guy check. as maybe being not so great a, a choice. Go back and look. I believe he was at least one season as a top 10 overall in the NHL as far as scoring goes. He was a skilled player, oh but I'll always remember him for his bongo drums fight against Mark Stone. <laughs> yeah. Go watch that. Make that yeah, your YouTube yeah. homework and watch that fight. It's a beauty. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there was a year where Semin was leading the league at Christmas in scoring. Right. Maybe not Christmas, but he was high up. I mean, the, the combination of he and Ovechkin was was pretty spectacular there in Washington for, for a few years. Rounding uh, it out. And they're rounding out the top five. The 03 LA Kings had three picks in the first round, 13-20-27, and they went Dustin Brown, Brian Boyle, Jeff Tamalini. So not necessarily skill guys. But heart and soul guys like Dustin Brown, who became your captain and your leader and your work ethic, heart, guts, toughness guy. Brian Boyle, same type of player. Maybe didn't do that in L.A., but certainly proved himself to be a a worthy NHLer. And Jeff Tamalini, again, same sort of mold, but not at maybe the length of career as the other two. But I had them at number five. But if you're interested, the entire list ranking 13 of the 14 teams who had three first round picks is on our website. That would be sensnationpodcast.com. Yeah, and there's all kinds of stuff there. Uh, while you're there, you can also take part in our fan hotline. Basically, you click on fan hotline. It takes you to a place where you can hit record, and you can rant about what the Sens are up to, good or bad. <laughs> How and, cool uh, is that? And we'll, uh, we'll play back those on, uh, on upcoming shows. So that and much more. Uh, we got uh, lots of articles Greg, you've been writing like a maniac this week. Yeah, I don't know what's gotten into me, buddy. I've just been... <laughs> well, I wrecked my knee, so I can't... Wa- it, it hurts even to limp. I've got to go get an x-ray and an MRI, and I don't know whether it's ligaments or a kneecap or both, but uh, so I haven't been moving much. So I've spent, uh, I've spent a lot of time sitting here typing. So there are three stories up, and I'm, I'm ready to start a fourth probably this evening. All right, good stuff. Hope the knee feels better soon. Uh, Rick Dudley in the news. Uh, he has left the Carolina Hurricanes. He brought this to my attention this week. Uh, his deal came to an end, and they're obviously not going to retain this guy. He was a former general manager with the Ottawa Senators, and he's been in some sort of NHL role in an executive capacity. Well, obviously, he's not going to be a player. Um, every year since 1988 or 1998-99, uh, since so he's 71 years of age, and uh, one might wonder... There's a lot of uh, former Senator GMs out there, like Randy Sexton was part of the Buffalo Sabres executive cleaning of house. I wonder if there's maybe, I don't know, a fit there. What do you think? Well, at one time, the Senators were looking to fill two positions, right? More of a um, executive boardroom type presidential position and more of a hockey X's and O's type uh, executive position, presidential position. I believe I read somewhere not too long ago that that idea had been scrapped and changed to, we're just going to hire one guy, which they've done. 
But you've got a guy with Rick Dudley's experience out there. Uh, he's not adverse to coming to Canada. He certainly worked here before. He worked in Montreal for many years. If I'm not mistaken, and I meant to look and I didn't, but I believe that he's probably worked in the same organization as Pierre Dorian before, be it either here or possibly with the Habs. But at some point in time, I think they probably know each other. Maybe he's a guy they can look to to come in here and be the wily veteran, sit in the corner and offer us the odd little gem once in a while. Well, I would say when you start a sentence with, I don't know if that position's been filled. Um, I think the average fan would go, yeah, it's a safe bet. It wasn't. Um, it, it is quite, quite honestly, it's a, it's a by NHL standards, uh, fairly bare bones. They've got a decent sized scouting staff. Uh, last I checked, there was something like, you know, 13 guys. Uh, but as far as when you look at the front office, the immediate guys, you get Pierre Dorian, you've got, uh, Peter McTavish, his assistant, you've got Tim Patterson. Um, he was 11 years as the Sens video coach. Two years ago, he was elevated to manager of hockey operations. Now this year, he was the director of hockey operations. And um, yeah, there's a lot of you know inexperience after that. So with all due respect, of course, uh, there's room. There's always room for guys who've got NHL pedigree. Correct. The question is not whether they already have somebody in that position. I, I, they do not. The question is, do they want to have somebody in that position? I think it behooves them to do that. It's an organization that wants to do more with less, but you can only stretch things so far. And uh, things start falling through the cracks when, uh, yeah. when there are just a, a I, lack of bodies. I'd be interested in knowing what a position like that pays. I, I'd like to think that when it comes to a hours put into the job angle, it's not nowhere near the same hours that a GM puts in, right? Like. You could almost do it as a part-time thing. So therefore, you'd like to think it doesn't cost as much. But the people who fill that role, it is considered to be a higher up, much higher up executive position and a veteran type guy, which would say, oh, we got to pay more than the GM, let's say, to this person. So I, I don't know what that kind of position would pay. Uh, I, I'm pretty much convinced, though, that it's not a full-time thing. And, and who knows? If they're looking for somebody, the guy's there. Maybe it's Sexton. Maybe it's Dudley. There's more people out there with the credentials for the position than there has been in the past. We at right. least know that much. Yeah, Sexton would be the one of those two that would probably hold more interest for me. Um, I mean, I, I knew him back in the day, obviously, when he was with this organization. Yep. Um, one of the founding fathers of the team. Like To me, it's like... That's kind of a, I mean, it all, it all comes down to relationships, right? It'll all be about what Pierre Dorian, if they in fact have any aspirations to bring more bodies in, it would be obviously, you know, is this someone that fits with Pierre Dorian? Is this someone he likes that he has good chemistry with? But just in general terms, Randy Sexton would be a, a nice ad from the perspective of he was so recently part of a championship pedigree in his time with the Pittsburgh Penguins winning a Stanley Cup ring, seeing what that was all about. He's seen the best of what an NHL team can look like. He's seen yeah. from his own expansion days with the Ottawa Senators how you know the bad times can be. So I feel like that's a guy that uh, just has a, a good hockey acumen and he's seen it all and paid his dues. It'd be great to see a guy like that in the organization to me. Yep, I agree. So it, either one of them, I'd be happy. I, I, I would 
I just would rather see them hire somebody than not. I'd rather have somebody in that position than have not have that position in your organization at all. All right, so let's move along to uh, the news of the, the day in that we apparently have hub cities. Uh, reports are indicating as we speak that Toronto and Edmonton are going to be the hub cities if and when the NHL resumes its season, dropping everybody right into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I also heard like that it was going to be maybe only one exhibition game. How weird will that be? Like, just think of it from <laughs> the perspective of how much lead up there is to the normal Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, you, you work out all summer, you've got training camp, you've got, uh, you know, exhibition season, you get the full regular season, and then, and only then, do you get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. We will have had, what are we in here now, four months of inertia, and uh, now guys are starting to work out a little bit, and you're going to get one exhibition game, and now you're going to have to be, you know, hair on fire time and into the Stanley <laughs> Cup playoffs right away. How bizarre would that be? That's yeah, that is strange. Uh, at least in the case of the of the four top teams in each uh, conference, um, they will play each other once, so they'll each get in. Besides that exhibition game, they'll each get in three real games, right? So to determine who's one, two, three, four seeding wise, unless they rest That's, guys. Not true, but I I don't know. You're you're playing for first seed. Uh, I think they might take it serious. No, Bruce Cassidy has talked about that. Maybe the idea of uh, of resting a few really? guys yeah. in this in this play and start the seeding stuff. I've got to believe that those I've got to believe that those round robin games carry some importance and some weight. I think that when you really don't know of the of the eight teams that are playing in the qualifying round, you don't know who's good, who's bad. I think it might be important to be number one and get the weaker of those eight teams in round two. That might carry more importance than any other year. What do you think of Toronto and Edmonton? Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Like, in the end, it sure makes sense. They're the safest cities. I think being in the hub, it's it's not a question of, of uh, getting out in the public and catching something. The problem is, who's going to come in from outside and be in the hub and leaving and coming and going? That's where I think they're going to run into problems, right? As long as you're inside the hub, it's just you and your teammates and your coaching staff and your, your team personnel. It's the waiters and the busboys and the hotel staff and the restaurant staff. It's those people coming and going, the doctors, who may be causing a problem with, with the bringing in infection. So therefore, the, the level of health of the surrounding area around your hub is an important factor. And both Edmonton and Toronto are far superior to Las Vegas right now. I was listening to uh, an interview today, and the suggestion was that the players really won't be that influenced when there's no fans in the arena. Um, but the, the people that will be influenced a little bit are the referees. And that <laughs> sometimes, just from the perspective of, uh, I guess the, the thought is, or the study that they had, is that when the place is filled with people hating you um, because of something you did, like, okay, the visiting team uh, commits a borderline infraction, well, the place goes upside down, and the arm is more likely to go up. When no one is in the building, then, well, you might, subconsciously anyway, get a, get a more fair shake, a more balanced approach from the official, uh, officials. What do you think? 
I'd like to believe that you get a more balanced approach anyway, and all that other stuff is just crap. I, I'd like to think that the referee calls the game as he sees it and is not influenced by fan noise. And I believe that the NHL sees it that way too, and the officiating staff uh, in the executive offices of the NHL believes that that's the way their guys work. And I, uh, I don't buy it. Let's put it that way. I don't think a ref is influenced by crowd noise. I certainly feel like that would be the case, you know, of the more confident referees they're out there. It's like, I don't care what's going on and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. feel like the, maybe the lower end guys in terms of confidence might let that sort of seep into their psyche, whether it's conscious or not, probably unconscious if it is a factor, but uh, uh, who knows, but it will be interesting to watch uh, NHL hockey for the first time in our lives with nobody in the building. <laughs> but that part, that, that gets eliminated as we pare down the officiating crew round to round. The more experienced, better guys are doing the more important games. Less and less crew are assigned to each round of the playoffs, as we know, right? You're dying. You're clamoring for a Senator alumni birthdays, aren't you? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Cue the music. Okay. All right. So your birthdays for the week ending July 4th. You've got uh, the great Mike Sillinger, who is 49 this week. And what uh, what famous record does he have? Suitcase Sillinger. Did nine teams? No, no, 12. 12 teams. Sorry, 12 teams. Yeah, no, I knew that. Including Thank Ottawa, you. obviously, yep. or he wouldn't be on this list. Exactly. 12 NHL teams for Mike Sillinger, and he's 49. Peter Sidorkowitz, the Ottawa Senators goalie in their oh, very yeah. first game, the very first season. He is 57 years of age this week. Um, I remember when I was, so as a kid, when you'd be out there playing road hockey in, in the, in the driveway, <laughs> like you'd be saying things like, Oh, you make a glove save and go rogie, right? Oh, rogie. Yeah. 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 But I don't think I heard any <laughs> Ottawa kids going, Sidorkowitz. Oh, they made a big I thought save. you were going to tell me it was rogie Vashaw's birthday. No, no, no. <laughs> Speaking and, of guys who waited a long time to get into the hall of fame. Agreed. Uh, also celebrating, Steve Duchesne is 55 years of age. Um, famous is goal. Is this where you drop in the goal? You're going to drop it in right now, right? Here you go. Yashin trying to get around Galley. Yashin almost did. Yashin across to Duchesne. He scores! Steve Duchesne! Ottawa leads 1-0. Duchesne has scored. Ah, goosebumps. Dave Schreiber with a call at courtesy of TSN 1200. And Steve Duchesne, one of, the, one of the many plethora of players involved in the Eric Lindros deal. There you go. Yeah. Steve Weeks also celebrating a birthday. Steve Weeks oh, it's is... Goldie Day. Yeah. Uh, Steve Weeks is 62. Um, so lots of Steves. That's good. I want everybody who's pregnant right now, name your child Steve, all right? All right let's get that going again. Yeah. Uh, Chris Tierney <laughs> is celebrating his 26th birthday this week. Reagent. Yep. Uh, Yarmo Kekalainen is 55, ah. which is kind of interesting. It's the same number of games he played in the NHL. <laughs> okay. Now, of which course, is which that and a buck 50 will get you a cup of coffee at Timmy's? Still, it's kind of a neat number. 55 <laughs> okay. and 55. 55. And of course, he's the Columbus Blue Jackets general manager now. And Alex Picard, 35 years of age. Um, he was uh, traded to Ottawa with Philip Kuba for Andre Mazaros. And then was packaged uh, up for a second rounder for Matt Cullen. Now, which Alex Picard is that? One was a defenseman, one was a forward, no? Uh, defenseman. 
So there it is, your birthdays for the week ending July 4th, if you can stand it. Okay, so you're going to be writing furiously this week uh, with the <laughs> yeah, NHL okay. salary cap, not really doing much of anything. That could actually be a real win for the Sens. On two different ways. Yep, I'm going to put together a piece. I've got to do some research. I'll, uh, I'll get something up on the website within the next few days. Very good. Well, thank you for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget our website is SendsNationPodcast.com. You know what? Brock Mantooth is going to tell you that in just a second. Greg, have a great week. I hope that knee feels a little bit better. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the maybe smoother roads ahead for you in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> it can't get any worse. All Thanks, right, well, Steve. Have a good one, eh? You too. Thanks for being with us on the Sins Nation podcast. New episodes every Friday. If you enjoyed the show and want to help the nation grow, please visit SinsNationPodcast.com. Leave a positive rating or review. Share the show with other Sins fans. Become a Patreon member or subscribe for free and never miss a single episode. Until next time, go Sins, go.